Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. That was so good. And uh, I'm coming next Sunday for, for Palmy Palm Sunday. I think that is the best thing that I've ever heard in my life. And if you're not here, then you are un-Australian. Um, I'm going to say that. And uh, well, it's great to be among friends this morning. Are you happy to be uh, in the building? And, uh, and there's a whole lot of people who aren't in the building as well, from what I hear, um, through COVID isolation. And so, and so I'm so thankful for live streaming. Where would we be without live streaming? And, and, uh, and so I'm so thankful to be here and great to see some familiar faces. Thanks to Josh and Bill. You guys are doing an incredible job. Aren't they doing an awesome job? And, uh, and you know, Mark and Holly doing a stellar job. And, yeah, talk about live streaming. I, I, um, it's my privilege. I, I get to tune in uh, because of modern technology and see what you guys are doing. Um, congratulations, by the way, on planning a church. In the last few weeks, it's been great to follow the journey uh, of, of the team um, up at Mount Barker and what they're doing, and, uh, and uh, they're doing an awesome job, and, uh, and you guys are doing great. And I think one of my favourite preaching moments of the last 12 months was actually in your church, and I was watching online. As uh, Pastor Mark was preaching, it was, the, it was the magnum ego moment. Do you remember that? That was Unbelievable. And uh, just the, the, that moment where he was talking about how he was looking at it and desiring it with that desiring gaze and then for Holly to call out from the audience and say, I wish, I wish you looked at me like that. <laughs> I lost it. I lost it. I, seriously, that, you couldn't have scripted it any better. Um, so, but uh, that's what I love about streaming is that you can sort of, you can follow other church journeys. And um, so I feel, I feel like I've been here. Probably I've been watching more messages than some of you. Um, I've, I've been really enjoying it. And so go back and watch, uh, watch some of those messages. Well, today I'm going to be talking about the topic of encouragement and prayer. Does anyone need an encouragement? I feel like you can give me encouragement every day of the week. I need more encouragement. Encouragement and prayer. Um, my, my journey to becoming a Christian is, I would say that probably my, between my mum and uh, my grand, grandmothers, they prayed me into the kingdom of God. I was lucky to have these women, incredible prayer warriors. And uh, does anyone know a prayer warrior? Have you got a prayer warrior like that in your life? They are just incredible. And uh, I am not so much of a prayer warrior as I am more of a prayer wanderer. Uh, my prayer life is kind of like those kids that you see at the mall who've got, who've got the leash strapped on to stop them from wandering away into trouble, into the car park. That's kind of like me and my thoughts when I try and pray. Anyone with me? I'm a prayer wanderer, and, uh, but I'm so thankful for prayer warriors. And when we talk about prayer, there's kind of, I think there's two different types of prayer. There's those what prayer warriors, those, those faith-filled prayers. And you know people like that? You know, I had someone pray for me last Sunday. I was feeling a bit sick before I was getting up to church. And, and this, this one of our pastors heard that I was sick. And without saying anything, she just laid hands on me and she just prayed. Just like she was ready to go like that. And she just prayed, Jesus, raise him up in Jesus' name. And just, you know, people who just pray like that with uh, faith-filled prayers. And they've always got something to bring. 
And then there's the faithful prayers over here. And then on the other side of the spectrum, there's, there's what I like to call the faithful prayers and then more of a flare prayer. Oh, this is like, there's, there's very little faith involved. It's more like desperation. It's like shooting up, shooting up that prayer, help, Jesus, help. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? I feel like I pray those. I've got kids. I feel like if it wasn't for the extra hour of sleep, I probably wouldn't have been here today. We would not have made it. We timed that beautifully. That was, that was great, by the way. Flare prayers. Well, and we're going to pick up a story where we look at the different ways that people can come to Jesus. And we're going to unpack the story of Jairus and his sick daughter. And you know the story. It's a well-known story. Uh, there's, there's kind of three parts of the story. There's the, the first part of the story where Jairus approaches Jesus. He comes to him with a need. And then in the middle part of the story, there are some delays and some discouragements in that middle part of the story. And there's some lessons that God wants to speak to us through that. And then the third part of the story is where God comes through in breakthrough. I'm going to be praying from people at the end of the service as well that there's going to be some breakthrough here today. Do you believe that? Do you believe that when we gather together, God does stuff? And when we pray, part of the story does stuff. So why don't we open up the Word as we pick up that story, the start of the story about Jairus in Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Let's pick it up and read this together. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was there. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. See, he's coming more in a sense of desperation at the difficulty he's facing than he is with any what we would call great belief. But the faith that Jairus is displaying, it's not about how he's coming to Jesus, but that he's coming to Jesus. See, that's what faith is all about. Sometimes we can see that, all right, oh yeah, that person over there, that prayer warrior, that person who's always like, rah, 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 and always believe, that's the kind of faith. But I'm not that kind of person. But I want to tell you, young person, older person, person in the room and online today, that faith is more about Jesus than it is about you. It's just about coming to the right place. It's actually about the coming to Him that is that act of faith. And then when we come to Jesus, something can happen. And so we see Jairus coming to Jesus with his need out of desperation. In verse 23, it says that he pleaded earnestly with him. Again, desperately is probably the other word you could do. He was pleading. You can imagine he's crying out. His daughter um, is hanging on by a thread and he's coming to Jesus potentially as a last resort. My little daughter is dying. Please come. And put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So here's the thing. We hear about Jairus. Jairus was the synagogue leader. So in, he was from the town of Capernaum, which was a small fishing city, a fishing town where there was farmers there as well, potentially about 1,500 people. Uh, and, and he was in charge of the synagogue, which was the, the most prominent building in town uh, and he probably had a couple of people, volunteers working for him in charge of the worship services. They would read, um, they would read the scrolls together and he would kind of be the superintendent or the coordinator over, the, over those affairs. And so he was probably also a Pharisee. And so you read, we, we know about the Pharisees through reading the, the New Testament is that they were at odds 
with Jesus' teaching on the kingdom. And his plan to live for God and what that looked like to bring his kingdom to earth was different to the Pharisees' plan. And so we know all of a sudden that the Pharisees and Jesus weren't friends. And so for Jairus to come to Jesus, we can automatically assume that he, had, he was probably wrestling, he was probably doubting, he probably wasn't the person who was in Jesus' corner saying, hey, this guy is the way, the truth, and life. In fact, we don't, he probably wasn't in that camp as well. But in, the spite, in spite of his doubts, in spite of his confusion, in despite of I don't even know who this Jesus is, we see that he's choosing to come to Jesus in spite of his mess. Isn't that, isn't that what we need to do as Christians as well? In spite of our doubts, in spite of our mess, in spite of the situation we find ourselves in, that it's just the right thing to come to Him. We see in, in Psalm 55, it talks about this. It talks about how, hey, you've got a burden, you've got a need, you've got a difficulty, cast your burdens unto Jesus because He cares for you. Oh man, would we be a church that would always cast our needs to Jesus? When we're going through something stressful, we're going to pray. When we're going through something where the the future is unknown, we're going to be people who pray. When something's gone down and we don't know what's going on, we're going to pray. And I think too often we find ourselves worrying before we pray. But I think God's calling us to be people where prayer is going to be our first response rather than our last resort. And so we see Jairus coming to Jesus, and we see Jesus' response. And I just think this is so beautiful, that Jesus doesn't discriminate, that Jesus doesn't ask for a, a written set of beliefs about who do you think that I am. He hears the need, Jairus pours out his heart, and Jesus responds with compassion and activity. And we see sometimes when, when we're going through something, and sometimes we have these barriers that we put up that stop us from bringing our need to Jesus. We are, you know, this, this thing that I'm facing is insignificant or, you know, oh, I don't know if, if God's even going to do anything. But we see that Jairus brings the need to Jesus. And in the next verse, it simply says, so Jesus went with him. I think that is a powerful little passage. That is a powerful little verse because it says, number one, that Jesus is approachable. Jesus, he was busy in his ministry schedule, but when Jairus came with a need, it simply said, Jesus went with him. Do you know that Jesus cares about your needs? Do you know that Jesus knows what you're going through? He knows your worries. He knows, he knows those things. And he says, would you bring them to me? Just as Jairus brought it to Jesus, so we are called to bring it to him. You know, I love um, that, that beautiful um, old, old hymn. You know the one, um, what a friend we have in Jesus? Wow. Wait, let, let me read it to you. It says this, all our sins, <clears throat> what it says, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. And what a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? You got some troubles today? I've got some troubles. I'm sure you do too. Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer.
What do you need to take to the Lord in prayer? I think that this year in 2022 is going to be the year where the church is going to rise up to ask for prayer more than ever. I tell you, I need people to pray for me. I need to ask things of the Lord. But not only that, I think God is calling us to be people who pray for one another. My question for you, when was the last time you had a can I pray for you moment? Have you ever had a moment like that? I remember the, the first time where uh, I felt really prompted to do that. And I was uh, having a, a deep and meaningful conversation with one of my school friends who, who was not close to Christi- Christianity, but he wasn't a Christian. And essentially he was going through a rough time and he poured out his heart. He said, I've, uh, my girlfriend's bro- broke up with me. Um, I'm sort of, and it's like my heart just started pounding. And I'm like, oh man, God, why do you have to interrupt? Why do you have to get me to do stuff? But it's kind of like, you know that it's God. And so, and so I just felt, oh, I've got to, this is a moment. I need, to, I need to ask. I need to reach out and say, do you want some prayer? And so, you know, you know how you go wrestling in those moments and you're like, oh, should I, what if? What if he says no? What, what if he's, he's you know, I, I fall on my face and just look embarrassing? Um, but, you know, when I said, hey, I, I think God's got something better for you. Can I pray for you? And it was a little bit awkward, I'll be honest. <laughs> but... But do you, know, he did, do you know what he didn't say? He didn't say no. He didn't say no. He said, yeah, okay. And so we got to pray together. And I think God is calling us to be people who not only pray for things from God, but also offer to pray for people for God. Because we see in the story of John, true. Hello. <laughs> You're awake. We know, we know that when people are in pain, they are often more open to God. Don't you see that around you? And that, and that we see, C.S. Lewis talks about this. He says how God speaks to us in these moments. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience. But what does he do in our pain? He shouts to us in our pain. This is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So God is going to be using, he's not the author, but he's going to be using the pain in people's life to be bringing people to him. So that you and I can step in, can notice that pain, can see the, the places where people are at. And we're going to be like Jesus and we say, can I pray for you? I wonder where is the pain and the need around you? And how, is, how could God use you to be his megaphone into their situation? Jesus is wanting to do something. Can I pray for you? So we see that Jairus comes to Jesus and he's taken his need and he's brought it to the right place. Jesus goes with him. And so we now move out of scene one into scene two, where they start with the crowd following to Jairus' household, where this sick little girl is. And you know, I don't know why, but when I remember reading this story um, in the past, I just used to think it was everything was this massive long journey. But Capernaum was this kind of small place. The houses were in these blocks um, these square blocks, so it was probably only a couple of blocks to their house. So they were moving from the sea to his house, and so people were following him. So it was a short journey of probably only a few minutes. But somewhere between the sea and their house, we get the story of the woman with the issue of blood. You know the story? Where a woman, without wanting to speak to Jesus, comes to him with her issue of blood, the med- issue that had the hemorrhaging that had been with her for 12 years which had impacted her relationships it had impacted every sphere of her life because the the 
the ceremonial uncleanliness that was rolled up in their religious practice, that that had implications for her whole life. And so she was an outcast. She was unclean. It affected her relationships. And so she was desperate. Again, she comes to Jesus and she didn't even need prayer. She just touches the cord on the, on the edge of Jesus' outfit. And the Bible says that she, would, she has been healed instantly. Isn't that amazing? Isn't Jesus so powerful? I think sometimes we just need to remember how powerful God is. And that sometimes we think, oh, this, 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 this needs to happen in order for God to work. No. God can do more than we can ask, think, or imagine. He is a miracle-working God, and He can do things in our lives like that as well. He's a powerful God. And so she touches Him. And then we find this curious passage in shoes where Jesus somehow, I don't know how, but He feels that something has happened and that power has left Him. And so we pick up that story, remembering that Jairus is right here next to her and him. And that Jesus says, who touched me? And the disciples, they have this funny little interaction with the disciples like, Jesus, you're in the crowd. Nobody's social distancing here. We're rubbing shoulder to shoulder. We're all, we're all touching you. But he said, no, somebody's touching me. And so we have this moment where we have this woman who was seeking after Jesus for a healing miracle, but she didn't actually want to meet with Jesus. Man, that is a challenge for us today, isn't it? With some of us, it feels like, oh, I like all the good things, God, that you can do for me, but I don't want to necessarily have a close relationship with you. Yeah, I love coming along to church because it lifts my spirits. I'll pray to God when I need Him, when I go through, when I need a car park. God, you're my man. <laughs> I'm a Christian, remember? I haven't talked to you for a while, but I need that car park. I need that new job. I need that raise. I need that girlfriend. I need that whatever. And see, sometimes that's the danger is that we have that kind of relationship with God where we're more interested in just what we can get from Him rather than knowing Him. But here we see that Jesus is smarter than that. And Jesus is like, I, I, yes, I want to heal you. That is awesome. I want to do that miracle in your life. But more important than that, I want to know you. And so Jesus does not let her off the hook. See, she's trying to be anonymous, but Jesus is saying, ha, 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 ha. who touched me? Who was that? I don't want you just leaving with my power. I want you to have a personal relationship with me. Don't you leave this place without knowing me personally. And so we see what it takes. It took incredible vulnerability. It took incredible humility. But what happened, we pick up the story in verse, I think, 33, where it says she, she takes Jesus up in this offer of going deeper, getting to know him. And finally, she comes to Jesus and she falls at his feet. And she pours out her heart. She pours out the dirt and she said, this is what I was, I was here. I was just wanting that miracle from you and, and just pouring out all her dirt. And we had this most beautiful phrase and how Jesus speaks to her in that moment is just astonishing. And he uses a phrase and gives her a title that he doesn't give to anyone else in the New Testament as far as I could find. And when hearing of her dirtiness and her past, Jesus calls her a daughter. He says, 
He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. That picture of shalom or wholeness and well-being and completeness. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. But I want to hone in on that phrase, daughter. He says, daughter, you know, you came to me when you were feeling deficient. You came to me when in your dirtiness. You came to me in that, in that space, feeling in that way, but I am speaking something different over you. Now that you have actually gone deeper, you've come to me not just for what you can get for me, but you're wanting to meet me personally. I'm going to give you a new identity. And he says, daughter, daughter, your faith has made you well. Isn't that beautiful? I want to say there's some people here today, you need to hear that. You are not what is happening to you. You are not the combined total of what is happening in your life right now. You are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. In Christ, you have a new identity. The old has gone. The new is here. And when you stand with Jesus, when you pray with Jesus, He speaks that into your life as well. Do you know that you're a beloved child of God? Wow, let that restore you. Don't just get things that you need, but allow your identity to be shaped, affirmed and encouraged. And you can bet that she got up and she wasn't just healed, but she was completely restored. Her soul was restored because she had a relationship with Jesus. Come on. So we have this happening in the middle of the story. And so, but here you can zoom out again and we see we've got this guy Jairus who's standing right next to Jesus who I would say has probably got a mixed emotions. And because, number one, I think he's probably feeling a little bit antsy because, all right, my daughter is in a critical state. Jesus, come on, we got to go. So he's probably feeling a little bit anxious about the delay. Are you with me? He's probably feeling that way. But on the other hand, he's probably feeling quite encouraged. I don't know if you've seen this before. But it's like, get this, he's got front row tickets to one of the best miracles that Jesus has done in the Gospels. So he's got his need and then he's seen her need just get taken care of by a Jesus who only had to be touched. So you can believe that although his faith started with, all right, I don't even know if Jesus can do this thing back at the start of the story, but I'm going to bring my need to him anyway and just give it a go. But you can imagine at this point, he's saying, I reckon maybe Jesus can actually do something. Maybe this is the Jesus who is the Messiah. Maybe he is the God who I hoped and that people were saying he could be. And so his faith will start to build. And he's, he's had front row tickets to what God has doing. Maybe God can do this in my life. Man, talking personally here, I want to be in spaces and places and be around people and hear testimonies of what God is doing and how he is working in power. I want to see that. I want God to use me in that way. Do you want that? I think, man, that's why, that's why you're in the room. That's why it's so important to get. I want to be around when God's doing things. Because it's not just when God is doing things for me. I get encouraged when God is doing it for other people. When they share their story, like my story, it's so good. That's why we have to share our testimonies. Because it's not only God doing things for us, it's hearing about God, what God's doing in other people's life. Oh, wow, He healed you. Maybe He can heal me. Oh, man, God provided for you. God forgave that sin and restored that. Maybe He can do that for me. We need to be in those spaces and places and be around those people who are going to rub off on us in that way. That'll spur us on. That'll give us faith to fully live for God. And so we see Jairus in this story with mixed emotions, with mixed emotions. 
And then as we continue the story, as we continue this procession of the crowd and Jairus walking with Jesus, not long after, and in fact it says, while he was still speaking in verse 35, some people came from Jairus' house with a negative report. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Send him away. What else can he do for you? This is the reality of the situation. And it was. She had passed away. And so the heartbreaking news comes through about the fears that Jairus had about his daughter's situation had come true. But what I want to say is this. It is important as people of faith that we know how to handle discouragement when it comes our way. We need to know how to handle it. Because, well, I don't know why, the, the randomest things you remember from your childhood, isn't it, doesn't it? You think, why do I remember that? But anyway, as a, as a teenager, my woman, uh, my, uh, my woman? <laughs> That's another sermon. I don't want to talk about that today. On the, on the wall of our bathroom, um, my, my parents would put these Bible verses and these encouraging sayings. And I can't remember what any of them said except this one. It said, discouragement is one of the enemy's greatest weapons. And I thought about that and it stuck with me. I'm like, yes, that is more than nearly everything else in my life. Discouragement has the ability to stop my faith in the tracks, in its tracks. It has more than anything else. Discouragement has the ability to stop and, and dry up my prayer life because I'm feeling discouraged and I don't think God can do it anymore. Where you start looking at the outward, you start to look at the circumstance, you start to look at the problem and the, I can't, it won't. You start to look at all those things. And as soon as you're believing those things and hearing those things, your faith starts to dry up. And that's why it's one of the most powerful weapons that the enemy has against us. But we know the scripture speaks into this. And this is why my message Today is called Be Encouraged. Turn to the person next to you and say, Be Encouraged. Be Encouraged. Oh, now we're talking. 1 Corinthians 16.13 says this, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the face. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. Isn't that good? Ephesians 6.16 says, In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. It says, there's some of us we need to take up our shield of faith. There's some discouragement coming. There's some situations you're faith, facing, which is causing you to stop believing and stop walking in faith with Jesus. Just like Jairus at this moment, he's got a choice. Am I going to Take this as the final and full stop of this situation. Yes, this is the reality. And, and say, okay, Jesus, I'm done with you. This is going to be the reason for us now to part ways. We're not going to be doing business anymore. I'm not going to be consulting you anymore. So he had a choice to make. Am I going to continue to walk with Jesus? Am I going to continue to need him for and believe for him for what is not yet the reality? Or am I going to part ways? But he chose to hold up the shield of faith. And we need to do that, don't we? Even when we don't know what the outcome is. Take up the shield of faith. You know, in um, ancient, in, in Roman era warfare times, they would have these big shields that would be made out of wood. 
Um, and, and so what happens, it talks about these flaming arrows. So what would happen, the, the opposition would, would dip their arrows into uh, flammable tar. They would light it up, they would shoot it. And so when, even though the shields would be up, the flaming arrows would come, it would catch a light, and then those flaming arrows would be the reason why they'd need to put down the shield, the shield so that then they could attack and the arrows could pierce. And so what, here's the thing, and what they would do to counteract this is before they would go to bar- battle, they would drench, saturate, soak these wooden shields with water and so that when those fiery arrows came, when those things came at them, they would be nullified. They wouldn't take hold. It wouldn't, it wouldn't take them down. And I tell you, we need to be people who not only hold up our shield of faith so that we can stop those discouragements from entering our way, stop those lies, those things that would stop us in our faith. Not only would we hold up the shield of faith, but we would saturate ourselves with encouragement through the people we're hanging around, with the promises of Scripture, with all all that we need so that we need to be full of encouragement, full of faith, so when those arrows come, they won't even take effect in our life. When those moments come, when that news comes about a health situation, when that news comes about whatever, that we, our shields are saturated. We're holding them up and we can walk forward with Jesus. You know, Jairus had people who could only see the negative reality. But we need people in our life who will not just see the, the reality but who will rise above what we can see to believe for what Jesus can do when he is with us. We need people in our life like that. I wonder, who is like that for you? I have people like that in my own life. See, Jairus has got a choice to make in this moment. Do I send him away or do I walk with Jesus? And Jesus picks up on the situation, on the negative report. And he offers his word of reassurance. And this is where our faith is based on, the character of God, but also the word of God. And so Jesus knows, if I don't say something here, Jairus is going to give up. But then these beautiful words in verse 36 36 comes. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Get this, just believe. Just believe. And he's hearing this, and then Jairus is saying, all right, If Jesus is with me, if Jesus is saying, don't be afraid, just believe. If I've got Jesus with me, I don't know what's going to happen, but I think he can do something. And I don't know what you need to hear today. I don't know what you're feeling, what you're facing, but there is some encouragement for you today that if Jesus is with you, something can happen. You may, you may not know how, in the same way that you not know when, there might be delays and encouragements on the journey. But in the same way that Jairus kept walking with Jesus, you can keep walking with Him. You can keep praying to Him. You can keep believing. You can keep walking forward because you know that when Jesus is with you, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Keys up to join me on stage. You know, there's this beautiful quote from Elizabeth uh, Elliot, the, the famous missionary, who says, don't pull up in doubt what you planted in faith. 
Don't pull up in doubt. Don't let discouragement and doubt stop you from stepping into what Jesus wants to do in your life. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. Don't stop moving forward. Because we'll see in this next portion of the story what is possible when Jesus, when we stay with Jesus, when He is with us, we see what's possible. And so G- G- Jesus and Jairus sound too far too f- similar. And so we see the two J's walking forward, continuing to walk. And then they get to Jairus's house. And we pick up the story in verse 37. He didn't let anyone follow them except for Peter, James and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion. People were crying and wailing loudly, which was the custom at the time that hire people in to prime the pump of the grief process. He went in and he said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? This child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. But then we see what Jesus does. He put them out. It says he put them out. And and in the original language, it's it's even more of a forceful term. He's like, get out of here. Get out of here. We don't need that lack of belief. We don't need you around. I'm wanting to do something in this situation. He put them out and he took the child's father and the child's mother and the disciples who were with him. And they went in to where the child was. And then quite simply, I want you to take notice through this passage of story, what Jesus is doing and the ease at which he does it and how quickly he went with Jairus when he came to him and how easily the woman with the issue of blood was healed. And now in this moment, quite simply, all it took to raise her up, Jesus took her by the hand and he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. By the power of a word. No effort required, just power, the Son of God. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. And at this, they were completely astonished. Come on, somebody. I bet that in the midst of this, what Jairus and his family is doing, and I bet you Jairus is taken back to the start of that story. In in his pharisaical faith, as he was wrestling of, Oh man, I've got this situation. I don't want to create religious trouble for myself. I don't want to ruin my reputation. I don't know if I want to come to this Jesus with my need. But man, I bet in this moment here where his daughter is raised up, he's so glad that he came to Jesus with his need. He's so glad that he didn't let, he didn't let his doubts, he didn't let his reservations, he didn't let any of those things coming and bringing that need to Jesus because in this moment, all it took Jesus was a word. Yes, there were some delays. Yes, there were some discouragements. But what he learned in this moment that as long as Jesus is in the room, anything is possible. Wow. Wow, Jesus is so powerful. Jesus is so compassionate. Jesus is so able. I wonder, what are you facing right now in your life? What kind of discouragement are you feeling? What kind of things that you need to start praying for again, believing that Jesus is with you and that when He's with you, He can do something. Why don't we bow our heads? Why don't we close our eyes? Why don't we reflect on the goodness of God and the power of Jesus Christ?
thank you, Lord. What do you need to ask and believe for today? I believe that God's wanting to bring some new things to life. I believe that there's some situations today that God wants to speak into. And maybe like Jairus, there's, we don't know what the timing's gonna be. We don't know exactly how God's gonna do it unless we get a specific word from Him. But God's calling us to raise that shield of faith. Pray those prayers of faith again. Move forward with pray with faith again. Thank you, Lord. Don't, do not worry about anything, but pray about everything. Cast your burdens unto Jesus because He cares for you. Why don't we stand together? I'm believing that God's wanting to do some things here today. God's wanting to lift some burdens. God's wanting to lift some discouragement. God's wanting to heal some bodies. Do you believe that? Just as God did for the woman, just as God did for Jairus, He can do for us today. He is the God of the impossible. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you've got a need today, a need in your body, a need in relationships, a need in the dysfunction of your life, whether you're in the room or whether you're watching from home today, I just want you to, to reach out to Jesus today. I want you to put, it, put your hands out as a posture of saying, Lord, I need you. Just as Jairus came in a point of desperation, shooting up a flare prayer of saying, oh Lord, I need you right now. I need you in my life. If you've got a significant need in your life and you're saying, Lord, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know that you can do something. You just raise your hand, put your arms out. Let's believe together for what God wants to do in the room. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank You that You are the God of the impossible. We thank You. Not only do we have Your provision of power, but we also have the provision of Your presence. And that even if we don't see Your power today, we're going to experience Your presence, which comes with Your peace. And that you're gonna, You have Your strength, Your comfort, and Your endurance that we need to be able to keep walking with Jesus no matter what we're facing. And Lord, I just know that there are some significant needs in the room today. I know that there are some prayers that have been prayed for many, many years. And Lord, I pray against the spirit of discouragement. Lord, that we would be people who could raise our shield of faith. And Lord, I thank You that discouragement can go in the Name of Jesus. In the power of Jesus, discouragement dropped to the floor. May that discouragement be, be replaced with encouragement, with faith, with belief in what You can need to do. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Touch these people, we pray. I want us to do something now, just as we're in this attitude of prayer and of faith. If you're not, if you're not believing for something for yourself, I want you to open your eyes and see someone who's got their hands out or hands up. I want you to reach out your hand and believe in faith for that person. They may not have faith to believe for themselves, but you can have faith on their behalf. We're going to believe together that God is going to touch some people's lives and circumstance. Can we do that together? Can we believe that God's going to do something in the room today? Come on, let's pray together. We're going to sing a song. We're going to allow the faith to build in the room. Let's start to pray for these people. Let's start to believe that God is going to heal some bodies. I'm going to believe that there's someone here or some people here who've got needs Jesus' name. Lord, there's some people here today who've been suffering migraines through a neck injury or a neck issue. Lord, that You would touch those necks, touch those bodies, that that migraine would be released, that issue would be transformed. And Lord, that there would be no more pain, no more symptoms. Thank You, Lord Jesus. 
What would I say there's a person who I feel like there's an issue with a foot, a foot where there's pain and limping. I don't know whether you've been run over by something. I felt like that's what it was, but I wanna pray for that foot. Lord, I pray for that foot that is causing someone to limp and in pain. Lord, that that pain would go in Jesus' Name for your healing touch to come, that you would touch them just as you had compassion for Jairus, that you would have compassion for that person, that you'd do a healing miracle in their life. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Pour out Your power. Pour out Your Spirit. As we sing this song and sing these words, thank You, Jesus. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.